0: I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Today, I speak with Marian Fishner, who experienced a devastating divorce where she lost everything, including herself, in the process. She shares how she heard the little whispers all along, but ultimately did not trust herself until she was faced with reality. Marian shares her insight and how she finally put herself first, learned to see the good in herself, and how she slowly but surely moved onto her authentic path. Well, thank you for joining me in conversation because I think it's going to be a good one because you and I did a little pre-chat and I like how we we sorted through things and we came up with this idea of seeing the good in yourself. I think that's always a classic uh, topic because I think people do have difficulty um, seeing the good in themselves. We're always our own worst critic and... Um, But let's just let people know a little bit about who you are. You are founder of Spark the Future. So you're a skill facilitator and speaker, and you have a lot of experience in coaching individuals and managing change with confidence. I like that, with confidence. And usually um, people like yourself who help others through change uh, like that, it's because you've probably went through some change yourself, you know, that you have experienced some insight that you can share. And I'm curious, when you look back in your own life, you know, what is a significant turning point, you know, that would have challenged you to change or put you on that path? Well, you know, I think we all have changes all through our lives, but one of Welcome, Marion Fischner to Soul Sister
1: Conversations. Hi, Dana, thanks for having me. One of the most I guess the most significant was when I um when I separated from my husband and when my life fell apart and it was a pretty traumatic separation. It wasn't a pretty nice, you know, we don't like each other anymore. It was a bit of a shock. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, and how, and are we talking like 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Uh, we're
1: talking 20 years ago now. Mm. Um, was um, the separate, yeah, it's 20 years ago was the separation and we didn't get divorced for a long time. Um, just, I didn't even think about it because he fought it at first and I thought, well, just let it go when he's ready. It'll right. happen.
0: And and divorce is normally for anybody, it's a significant uh shift in your life because who were you before the divorce as a married person? Well,
1: and this is just it, right? I was this confident mother of four sons. Um, I took a job that I really didn't want to take, but we decided to build a house. I I took a job in a factory, I did things that I never thought I would do. Um, I was a community innovator. I got very involved in community activities. I drove four kids around to baseball, to soccer, to basketball, everywhere, and was very involved in the school. So I was this altogether, you know, come home little housewife. <laughs> I guess you could say the old fashioned housewife in a way, yet still doing things for everybody else that way. And I was always. That mom that was at every basketball game and every every event that I could be in. And I really enjoyed that. I really felt confident, comfortable in who I was. I knew who I was. And I didn't think anything else of it. I thought, I've got this together. You know, my life is going the way it planned. Mm. And then there was the bombshell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes as it so often is. You know, when I hear you um, describing your life, Marianne, you sound like so many women, right? You, you And I've heard you, you say it, you know, I did things for everybody else. You know, um, you, you did all the things right. You ha- you're raising the children. You even said, you know, we built a house. Okay. So now we backed ourselves into building this house. So I went and got a job that didn't really love, but I, I did it to contribute.
1: Exactly. I mean, you always think of marriage as a partnership and sometimes it's um, up and down. And I mean, throughout that, I did a lot of other things like take two jobs for a while and, you know, missed out on a lot of little things that I would have loved to have done for myself. Because after I worked the two jobs to put my my husband or ex-husband went back to work, you know, I was supposed to be able to do that. I was supposed to work at that factory for five years and then go back to school and do what I wanted to do. It didn't quite work out that way. Of course. Mm. Best laid plans. Right. Right. And I, I, I mean, I, I love my kids and I have these great four sons who are amazing young men and, and really, you know, great fathers, husbands, a couple of them. um, a couple of them, I think, are perpetually single, <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. Um, and you know, I look back at it, and I, I'm very proud of it. But what happened is, I forgot about me. And when the divorce happened, it wasn't a pretty divorce. It wasn't that, like I said earlier, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, I don't like you anymore. I had kind of knew something was in the background, but you know, you go, oh, you're in the midst of raising four sons, you know, and there's a lot going on. We're both working shift work. We're doing this and that. And then I find out my husband was living a double life and stealing all our money.
0: Okay. Wow. That's a huge bombshell. Yeah. And you know what I hear there, Marianne, too, as so many women will have it, is you said, I thought I, you know, it seemed like maybe there was something going on in the background. So kind of like these little whispers of things that you might have known, but did you not pay attention to them because they weren't loud enough or because it was too hard to face it or- I think
1: I I did bring it up a few times. I did attack it a couple of times, but it was always, oh, you're just exaggerating, you know. It's just hard right now because I'm working away from home for a bit and, you know, um, things are just fine. And But you always should be trusting your gut. And as women, I think we have some really good intuition. <laughs> yeah, and a right. lot of times, you know, I think about it as um, – you know, you know the answer, but you hit something else on a quiz because you second guess yourself. I think that's what we tend to do. We forget to, we lose ourselves. We lose the good in ourselves. We lose our trust in our own judgment.
0: Mm, for sure. And because someone else said, no, 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 you don't need to worry about that. Even though inside it was starting to sound a little loud.
1: <laughs> yes, Yes. And you know, when I when I finally did face it is when I found out that, you know, I went to work in a factory ten hours a day for nothing. Man. I had no house left. I had no money left. But I had four kids.
0: So you literally lost everything, everything. in the in the divorce. Wow. So everything. talking about starting back at zero. It really and, and, was. and how old were you? Did, did you just... I was 39. So yeah. So you know, you're right dab smack in the middle of life. And your children were how old?
1: Um, my oldest was I got married we got married young. And I my oldest was just turning eighteen and my right. youngest eleven.
0: Wow. So here you are a single mom and now you have to do what?
1: Now I have to, you know, and I and I had to stick in that job for a bit and um as much as it was killing my body and my mind, because it was right. so not me, but I thought, okay, I'll, I can do this until I'm at work and I get a phone call from my son saying, there's a there's a guy at the door that gave me this thing and said, we had to get out of our house.
0: Oh, wow. I said,
1: pardon me? And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I'm really stupid. How am I trusting this man still? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know? because i I wouldn't think that a father would do that to their own kids, <laughs> right, wow, and that was a bailiff because he had been I had been paying giving him the money towards the mortgage, and he wasn't paying it okay. so it was it was an ugly story, and it and it
0: knocked me on my haunches. Hmm. I was gonna say, how did this you know, where did this put you in in your mind what what was your what was going through your? your mind. To be honest with you,
1: I felt like the stupidest,
0: most idiotic person in the
1: world. Mm. I thought, how could I be so dumb? That was the exact words in my head like how can I how can I have not seen this? How can I have not known this? How could I have trusted? Right. And I mean, I you're in a marriage and you're and you're, you know, it's it's not like it was an arranged marriage and we kind of got stuck with each other.
0: Right. You were there willingly.
1: Yeah. And you know, you love somebody, you trust them, and you you don't think that they could do something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself during that process? Like what, what did you what were your next steps after you had to work at the factory for a little bit? And then you realize you had to jump back into looking after yourself in some way.
1: I did, but it took me a while. I'll be honest with you. It it took me, geez, a good three, four months to kind of get wrapped my head around that this really was going on. Um, I looked like I was anorexic because I couldn't eat. I couldn't think. I couldn't sleep. Um, You know, you're, you're fixing up a house or cleaning a house and, taking, you know, years of memories and trinkets and f- emotion that you've poured into this. And you're packing it all the way and you're going, what am I going to do to a rented house with four kids? Mm. And realizing I couldn't stay at that factory anymore, because it was just doing it. And it that was a turning point for me going, I am going to do what I want to do And I, and I had this, I have a fantastic, I had a fantastic mother and brothers and I, you know, she said to me, success is the best revenge.
0: (laughs) I've heard that before. (laughs) And And (laughs) Marion. It it has
1: been. And you know what though? The success was for me. Mm -hmm. It was for me because I needed to say, I am finally going back to school for me. So I decided that I was going back and doing my human resource, which was something I had worked in part-time without um, the qualifications, I guess you would say. I worked my way into it. And I went back to school for three years. And I, I thank God every day that I had my mom and my uh, older brother because my mom said to me, why don't you just move back into the house here with the boys so you don't have to worry when you're driving an hour every day? Mm -hmm. or two hours every day, one hour there, one hour back to school. And that took a lot of weight off of me. Unfortunately, not everybody is that lucky.
0: Sure, Um, to have a a support
1: system like that. Oh, huge, huge, huge help. So you went
0: back to school at the age of 41-ish?
1: Yeah, about 40, yeah, about 41, 40, actually. Mm -hmm. And because you just knew
0: inside, you finally wanted to do something that was for you. Well, you- I, yeah, and, and I had actually started Dana
1: taking some night courses again to try to finish the human resource up. And when the opportunity happened, I said, "I'm taking this and I'm doing it because my body is not going to last in a factory. I'm not built for that." Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's kind of the where I found a lot of my confidence was in there. It's funny because they had um, I ended up doing some press things for them and. I got involved with a with um a management thing that they had going on, and I've always been about building people up mm-hmm. so being in a factory with a union isn't an easy thing for somebody like me <laughs> <laughs> because they had their ways of doing things, and you know I'm a little bit of an outside of the box thinker, and if I see a need, I pull it together.
0: <laughs> so,
1: you know, I brought take your kids to work day to the Ford Motor Company in Talbotville and
0: okay, so you were you were pushing back against some things and trying to create some change,
1: yeah, and I guess I guess and i'm I'm a person that enjoys change because it gives you opportunities.
0: Mm, that's a great statement. Change gives you opportunities for all those people who are terrified of change and I'm curi- yeah go ahead. it's not always easy, but it's worth it mm. and I'm curious you know, how did you manage through the change? So you get this bombshell that you're get, you know, have separate from your husband and you, now you got to move back in with your mother, thankfully. Um, and then you go back to school. How, what is the process that you went through to move through that? Like, what did you say to yourself? How did you manage that? Do you know and I, and I really took a good
1: look. I take a good look back at it now and say, how the heck did I do it? Mm. It was, I I'll be honest with everyone it was just, you know, 3 months of sitting in bed some days crying mm. and going I can't do this but I also had four kids I had to think about. Sure. Um and I, and really and truly I have a pretty strong faith. Mm. And that helped a lot. I had some support systems. I actually ended up because I was wor- more worried about my kids than me. I took them all to counseling and then I went to counseling.
0: Mm, so counseling helped a lot. Yeah. Counseling
1: helped immensely. Mm. It really did. I mean, you have to you have to heal a broken a broken family. Um, and it was because you know, we were all involved in a lot of things together. Sure. Um, but I but I went for them as as with family counseling for them. I never thought about myself. I just said you kind of go on autopilot. I have to do it, I have to do it, I have to do it. And push you, through. You push through. And about a year and a half into going back to school, I was driving um, I where I went to school. It was about an hour away from where I live. And halfway through, all of a sudden, I was having a panic attack.
0: Hmm.
1: And I drove into the um, parking lot and I looked around and I drove out and I went home and I cried for two days. It was like, okay, I took care of everybody but me. Mm. And that's when I realized sometimes I think we go on autopilot, male, female, I don't care who you are when you deal with something traumatic and you deal with everybody else's issues around the trauma except for your own. Mm. And I really did end up going back to counseling for me.
0: Right. I You're finally
1: taking care of you. Finally, taking care of me. I think we worry so much about everybody else as, um, as caretakers, if you're that type of a person. And you say, okay, I'm going to take care of my kids. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of that. And then you start to realize that you think you've done a lot. You, know, you get every self-help book out there. And believe me, there's a lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, some of them have been donated. <laughs> <laughs> but you, so would you say that you began seeking yourself? You went on a path of self-discovery. I
1: really—that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I really had to find who uh, who I was.
0: Because mm. and- you said that you were married young had your children. I mean, is that that's a common story for many people. They, you know, they go from living with their parents to practically then be living with, you know, being married or living with their husband. And in that you get busy, you raise children and you do what you need to do. And somewhere along the way, you lose your sense. You can't see, you can't see, you don't put yourself first and you don't see anything, your own power.
1: You don't, you really don't. And I, I can remember going saying, who the hell am I? Why am I here? I always knew where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And it's funny because it wasn't the path that I chose. Right. And what did you, who did you want to be? It's, it's really interesting. I, I, I said this at a talk I was giving one day. I said, I wanted to be Mary Tyler Moore, you know, up in the big city. I was always going to move to Toronto. I was always going to work in business. And kind of have that type of a life, mm.
0: and, and it's you had family and marriage, yeah.
1: and and I don't regret it. I mean, it was it it was meant to be, mm. and and then I you know and then I looked back and I said, well, I can do this later on, or I can go back to school later on. We always put off what's important. When you start putting off what's important to yourself and who you are authentically you start to lose something in yourself. Mm. And I didn't realize how much I had lost because it, it can eat away at your self-esteem. It can eat away in your mind and you become negative. The one thing that I learned about myself through this, I don't make a good victim. <laughs> I just don't. I, I don't like to wallow in that.
0: Yeah. Because you said it eat away at your self esteem. Uh, what ate away at your self esteem? Not knowing who you were, or not, not being know, able to live authentically.
1: Not knowing who I was. Yeah. When I realized, and and then you think you you you're living for everybody else, and so you put yourself into that, and your um, joys, your successes, all come from what you've done from somebody else for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You don't even sometimes realize you do it. Right. Automatic. It's an automatic thing. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing bigger than love for a child, right? Yes. And think about that times four, <laughs> I don't know right. what I was thinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so naturally as a mother, you, you you easily put the children before yourself. And I mean, it's a common, I. it's not a mistake, you know, well, it's, it can be a mistake, you yeah. know, it, but the mistake is not taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of other people. Um, And that's what it is. And I had to
1: realize that I was seeing myself those first three months really, you know, we always went to church every Sunday, the kids and I, and even um, my ex-husband at the time, we grew up doing that. They, we were very involved in things and for three months I did nothing but cry and curse the world and, Mm. you know, um, Do, you know, eat it, berate myself. Right. And one day I just thought I'm missing something. Something is really missing here. What am I missing? I can't live like this. It's exhausting me. Right. And I realized that part of what I was not doing, and I have a tendency to do this, I realized is when things, you know how some people say they find God when they went through bad things, Mm -hmm. I kind of leave them to the side because I think, oh my gosh, He would be so angry with me. And God doesn't get angry with anybody, you know? Mm. He loves you regardless. You're there for him. But I was feeling like I shouldn't put my burden on because there's people with worse burdens.
0: Mm. I
1: didn't feel worthy of it.
0: So you still weren't taking care of yourself. I
1: still wasn't taking care. You were
0: putting yourself like, oh, I'm not that important because somebody's going through something way more difficult than I am, even though all the bells are going off. Marion, take care of yourself. (laughs) Exactly.
1: You know, um, that's, um, you know, I I was this uh, uh, anorexic looking, overexhausted 40 year old. (laughs)
0: Right. When did it all begin to turn around for you? Was there a turning point where, you know, you have this massive turning point to put you onto this path? And, you know, when you say everything happens for a reason, it feels like it it put you, I I dare say, I'll ask you at a later time, you know, you know, who are you now and how do you feel about yourself now? But did you feel like it put you on this path, a different path? It
1: actually did. And it's funny because all my life, I've loved human resource. I loved working with people. I loved, um, you know, putting the right people in the right place. But I realized it didn't bring me any joy. Interesting. And what happened is when I was, even when I was at, when I went back to school, I thought, I'm not enjoying this as much as I thought I would. And, you know, I've done this type of stuff in the real world. Why is this not clicking? And I realized that what I really enjoyed doing, the part of human resource that I enjoyed, was the training aspect of it, Mm. teaching people. When I finished school, I thought, oh, you know, then my mom had to have a surgery. And of course, because she did all this Not because she did all this for me, but she's always been a great, she was always a great supporter. She had a massive surgery coming up that I won't look for a job right away. I'll help her through this first. And she is a pretty independent woman, you know, a widow at 39 with six kids. So she knows something about stamina.
0: Hmm.
1: And I actually took the time and I one day I decided, I'm going to go into this employment services office. And um, somebody told me about, but I don't really think I belong there because, you know, I think that's where the truck drivers and the factory workers all go. Mm. (laughs) I hadn't been in one in years because I always worked. And I went in and I met this employment counselor, um, Gail. And Gail and I, funny enough, we're still close friends to this day. And we actually became colleagues because I accidentally made met it was an accidental it was a meant to accidental happen. That <laughs> um, I met the executive director, Kathy at um, a forum that I was at. I always like to get involved in things. So we started talking. She says, are you looking for a job? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, would you consider working with us? And they were starting a new teen center a youth center in St. Thomas. And I said, She said, Are you on unemployment? And I said, No, she said, Darn it, because <laughs> they had funding through sure. our special program. So every time I went into um, work with Gail, you know, we made it, we did resumes, we talked about options and where I'd like to be. She kept saying to me, You're on unemployment yet? Yeah. It just happened one day, she said to me, I know this isn't what you really want to do, but maybe for a while you'll come and work in our administrative, like clerical area. That's all I have open right now, but I really want to hire you. And I thought, yeah, why not? Mm. But by this time I needed a job for my own sanity. Sure. Because I need to be surrounded by people. And I mean, not all the time, because otherwise I'd be going crazy during mm. this lovely time. But you
0: needed life. the connection.
1: Connections are were important. And so I took this job in the clerical department, which absolutely bored me to death for three months. Um, I answered phones and, and then I helped um, our job developers organize a breakfast and they wanted me there. And I know a lot of people in the community. So I'm chatting away and interacting with them. And the Dean that was at the fan or the college, um, The college dean at the time in St. Thomas came to see my boss because we were a partnership. We worked together. Mm. And he said, I want to steal her.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) He he was, I I just, I flourished in that. And as I was working within the employment industry, I I really realized that there's a lot of people that need help. And so I ended up working with, um, in conjunction with Fanshawe, and doing rolling out essential skills in on in our area the essential skills program and
0: um did that allow you to do your training that lights you up it
1: did it did I would go in and I'd meet with employers and I'd do testing with their groups I talk about it but here's what really lit me up is I ended up making my own job at employment services to become the facilitator mm. that's when I realized when I knew I had my groove. Mm. And I I got so lit by that. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do it. Sometimes you just have to make your own opportunities.
0: Yeah. And And, I love the whole story really around reinvention and how that isn't really a, a straight path, but it's like there was one breadcrumb and then another, you know, come work with us, start in the clerical. And it sort of led you to where you ultimately got lit up.
1: Oh, oh, hugely. Hmm. I, you know, I, I just kind of pushed a little bit and said, oh, there's an opportunity for training. I'll take that training. Hmm. Oh, there's an opportunity for this. Hey, have you ever thought about, you know, hiring a facilitator? Cause that's originally what I applied for, but they didn't get the funding for it. Government funding. Right. Hmm. So I actually made my job hmm. and it made me realize that I didn't you know, people say goals are like this straight line, you know. Goals are like that messy squiggly scribble. Yeah. Or a cha-cha.
0: hmm yeah. You know, one,
1: two steps forward, sometimes you're one step back. It's true.
0: I'm curious, what does it mean to reinvent yourself now that you've done it? You came from this really low point to a high point. What does it mean when you reinvent yourself? What did you learn yourself about that?
1: You know, reinventing myself, I thought it would be pretty easy at first. And then when I realized throughout the ups and downs of reinventing myself is sometimes we think we know what we want, but we find ourselves not as lit up and excited about it or um, reinventing. And I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to call it reinventing myself, Dana. I think it's becoming authentically myself.
0: Mm, good point. Good point, Marion. I like that a lot. Yeah.
1: I think we have a tendency to say, oh, I reinvented myself. I might've reinvented my career. Right. But deep down, that's who I always was.
0: You were moving toward authenticity.
1: Exactly. Being being authentic and being who I really am in my heart, because I realized that even, even with the thing of, you know, saying I wasn't good enough to go to church or to pray to God because he had more important people to take about, take care of. Even, even then. And and I realized then that once I started to reconnect, I started to find courage in myself again, Mm. whether you meditate, whether you pray and it doesn't matter if you, what church you go to or what religion you are, but if you have a faith, or what your spirituality even is. Mm-hmm. Some sort of faith. And you walk away from that, and that is part of who you are. I think you lose a piece of yourself.
0: So when you say you reconnect it, you're not talking about with people per se, you're talking about with God, with spirituality, yeah, with whatever that's my
1: own spirituality. Mm. Just saying a prayer, just um picking up my rosary and saying the rosary. Mm. I always kind of thought, and I mean you know, I think about it. I look back at it and I go, oh, mom, why are you doing that all the time? Right. But it gave her comfort and she lived through a lot of trauma in her life. So that was her comfort.
0: I'm curious, what does doing the rosary
1: do for you? Doing the rosary for me, it gives me an inner peace. How does it do that? It, you know, you say your prayers, you hold on to your rosary beads and you say it. And it's it's like a meditation. Mm, okay. It's like a calmness comes over me.
0: Mm.
1: and I find when I'm really good at it and really stick with it. Yeah. It's not it's not about being fanatical about anything. I think if it's if it's something that means something to you, you find that peace in yourself. It's like taking a great big deep breath and letting the letting the anxiety out of you. Mm-hmm. Giving it to somebody else. Somebody said to me and I I can't remember who it was now, But we have a tendency, um, and I don't know if it was in a book or I read or somebody was saying this to me, but they said, give it to God, but you can't take it back.
0: And that's what I think what a lot of us do. Give it to God, but you can't take it back.
1: Because we, you know, here, God, here's my worries. Put it on somebody else. And if you have faith. You believe it, and then you go back and you sit in that chair and you start to worry again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so true. It's so true. You know, and I, and I don't think we realize we do it sometimes.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. We carry a lot of burdens. We right? do. You're right. We, you know, surrender or, or let it go. Let it go and let God. I've heard that, you know. Yeah. E- easier said than done. Much easier said than done. Mm.
1: You know, we take on, um, I've been reading a lot, or I've been seeing a lot of stuff about, parents going, you know, you're always going to worry about your kids and you do. Mm -hmm. And you do. But one thing I found through the, the, um, adversity that I had, I can worry about them. I can offer them advice, but I also know that I raise them well enough to be adults on their own. I don't have to carry the burden of their worry.
0: Good job, mom.
1: It's not an easy (laughs) thing sometimes. No. There are times where I slip back into that. Yeah. (laughs) and yeah. you own what your kids do right or wrong.
0: Yeah, I'm curious does that is that part of your faith and spirituality to let, is that part of it to let go of the parenting worries even as they're adult children? I don't know if it's
1: so much a part of my faith. Um I think it's a part of my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> Good because point. Because you know you take things on sometimes that really don't belong to you. Hmm. And you know, when your kids get to be older, or get into marriages or relationships or on their own or they do dumb things. <laughs> and believe me, four boys, there is at least one that's done a dumb thing. <laughs> and my youngest was my challenge. He's he's the most wonderful kid, but he was he's been the biggest challenge. <laughs> and I owned that. And when you own what your kids do wrong, no matter how no matter how much how good of a parent you've been or you, even if you've made mistakes there comes a time in all our lives we become adults mm. we have to take responsibility for our own actions mm. and that's something i i i taught them all mm. i was you know i was the tough mom I was not an easy mother. <laughs> I had standards and if you didn't meet them, there were consequences. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I, I'm really proud of that. Although I do slip back into it when there's, you know, something's happened to one of them. We all do.
0: Yeah, we're all um, human. I'm we're not going to
1: say that I don't care and I don't feel for them, but I also know that they're smart enough and they're equipped with the tools to take care of themselves. Mm. And if they want advice, if they want help, they know enough to reach out. They know that I'll be there for them, but I'm not going to coddle them and save them from themselves if they've made a really bad decision. Yes. And I see it too often. And I think we do ourselves a disservice. I think as any parent, um, we should be proud when our kids can stand on their own two feet and they can fly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Hmm. Even when we miss them,
0: <laughs> even when <laughs> it's true, I'm cu- I'm curious uh, to circle back around to your your you know faith. You know what role does faith and spirituality play in your life? I know doing the rosary gives you comfort, but what role does it play actively in your life to live this authentic journey? It plays a, it plays big, a bigger role than I realize sometimes because that's
1: a really good question. I just thought about that. It's not about It's not about knocking on doors, or it's not about um, telling people they're not living right. It's living by example, doing the right thing when nobody's looking, Mm. doing the right thing without thinking of it. You know, um, I I think my I think it's like believing in humanity as a thing, but we are all here to serve in one way or another to to serve to each other actually.
0: Mm.
1: And instead of and we see so much ugliness today in today's world. And what I, what I always think it's, you know, I might not always agree with what people do, but I'm not God to judge them. I'm not, you know, I'm not judge and jury in a courtroom. Mm. Sometimes we don't know what people are going through. We don't know what's happening to them. So treating everyone with respect, being there to help somebody when they're down, it, it's as simple as, I was uh, Christmas shopping a few years ago with a friend of mine, and there was—I um, stopped to pick something up, and there was a, a man in a in a wheelchair, and he, you know he was by the—I think there was a couple of stores there. One of them was the beer store, and he had a sign on the wheelchair, and he looked cold. He looked hungry, and I didn't have a lot of cash on me, but I had a five-dollar bill, and I thought here. And my friend turned and said to me, and said, "Well, what if they go and buy drugs or booze with that?" And I said, that's their choice. What if they go buy food? Mm. Sometimes we're so caught up in the what ifs yeah, and not knowing. Sometimes we just have to trust it's the right thing. Yes. Yeah. I think I, I read something the other day, a little article, and it was saying that this new pastor for this church was there and the elder, um, and he was being introduced that Sunday. And the el- there was he dressed up like a homeless, smelly person. And he walked into the church and he walked up to the front and somebody said to him, you should be sitting back there. You're mm-hmm. kind. And there was, you know, very few people even said hello to them. And he he went out of his way to say hi. Mm. And when the elders um, introduced him into the church or uh, to the congregation, he stood up and walked up and the, and the jaws dropped. Wow. And he said, everybody thinks." God's here to serve the rich and the powerful. That's not what who he served. Mm. It's humanity. It's 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 everyone. He didn't hang around with, you know, the big shots. He hung around with the poor people with leprosy or um you know, the prospects, the, the, that. So I think it's not looking at people as they've wasted their life. Yes, it's, it's frustrating. And I get frustrated when I see some of the stuff I see, but it's not judging them. And it's maybe just knowing that if you can help one person in this life, it doesn't have to be rich or poor. It could be helping them find their way, helping them with, you know, sometimes I think even the path that I've chosen and helping people change and become and find the good in themselves. Yes, word of
0: that. And and speak to to that for me because I think it's so important when I hear you say that, you know, you know, giving money to a man who's in a wheelchair who's very down on his luck and you know, people do not feel good about themselves. I'm curious, what advice can you give to help people see the good in themselves?
1: It's not always easy to find the good in yourself. Sometimes we have to really start to search. But if you can sit with yourself quietly and think, what is one thing? And I did this exercise with a group that I worked with, um, an unemployed group we had for eight weeks. They were all mature workers. Some of them um, really had a hard time. And one of the exercises we did and we talked about – in this journey was something that made you feel good about yourself. Think about something at any time in your life mm. and how did it make you feel? And one of the women said, and very nice woman um, had had a bit of a rough, you know, rough in life and didn't have a whole lot. And she couldn't think of anything. And I said, anything is big or small. And she said, you know, when I felt really good is when I helped that person out of the snowbank push their car. Mm -hmm. It was such a simple act to make a person feel good.
0: Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to start with that. The simplest thing so it can snowball. It does.
1: Because we don't realize um, all the good that every single person brings into a life. And we see it even ourselves. I mean, I think, okay, what have I ever done for anybody? Mm. You know, um, I I do a lot of things. I just don't tell people about it because I don't do it for those reasons. Right. Um, I think a lot of people do that, um, but then they forget about it and they think, what else can I do? I have a friend that is always that person that does everything for everybody and then just burns out. You know, um, I i mean, what brings you joy as a person? Sometimes it is, is as simple as finding that good in yourself. What brings you joy as a person? You know, um, I can remember, and I always chuckle, this lovely lady has some um, intellectual disabilities and some physical disabilities, and she came to church every Sunday. And I'm a bad singer, so I sing very low, as, you know, people will stay around me that way (laughs) and this little lady can't sing she she can't sing a tune to save her life but she sings with just such joy and heart and I think I actually learned from watching her it was pure bliss just to be able to share that community with people in singing Mm. I sing in the car, it brings me joy. She
0: sings like nobody's watching, right? Ex- you or know, that, that, yeah, Or <laughs> listening. <laughs> but if we could all do that, right? That we, we could, yeah. instead of suppressing that feeling of expression, you know, to let ourselves out. It
1: know. is, because I think we're always so worried what the next person is going to think about us. Sure. You forget about how do you feel about yourself.
0: Right. And that kind of brings me to a point you and I chatted about briefly in, in our pre-chat um, around shame, around telling your story. Um, wow. Because sometimes it can be really difficult to see the good in yourself if you've been through a situation that you feel shame around. Can you speak to that in terms of overcoming that? And I can.
1: I, I can. Because I'll tell you, it took me a long time to be able to tell my story. First of all, I, you know, especially after, after losing everything, I thought I was so young. I thought I was so smart. I'm so ashamed of myself.
0: Mm.
1: I'm so ashamed. I don't have money. I'm so ashamed. I, I lost this big, beautiful home and a good income. Mm. Um, Shame will eat away at you. It is the worst. It is probably the hardest thing to deal with. But when we start sharing our stories It doesn't have to be in front of an audience. Right. It can be with your next door neighbor. It can be with your best friend. I can remember my really close friend saying to me, I love you like a sister, but you're holding back. What aren't you telling me? Hmm. She said, I don't feel like you trust me. And, you know, we give our friends, our close acquaintances, we actually give them a gift when we share our authentic truth, whether it be good, bad, or ugly. Mm. Shame, shame is what we feel. Other people look at you and go, wow, you survived that.
0: Yeah. So true. I, and, I love the work that Brene Brown does around this. I don't know oh, if you're she, familiar with it, yeah, right?
1: She is so, amazing. She right. really has it nailed down right. And I think, you know, I, I have to still some days and i you know, because I've recently started this new path in life again, I call it my Sunshine Act, <laughs> or Sunset Act, should be. <laughs>
0: but I keep forgetting that I'm, you know, in my late fifties. <laughs> hey, you have lots of road ahead of you now. What? What? It, I think what I love about these kinds of stories is that you know, you know, we can call it reinvention, but I just, it's the movement toward authenticity. You are so right. You know, to continually to come on that path and be in alignment with your highest self, with the the full expression of who Marion's supposed to be. And, and you're so important when you say, you know, really sharing our stories is important because it does build trust in our relationships, but you have to trust people that you're telling your story too. But, you know, I was wondering one day, I was thinking about after my mom had passed, and i noticed you would tell the same story and over and over again to people i would tell the point of when she died and what happened around that day and it would keep telling it like i just like it i had to and i just wondered why i would always have to tell that story and then i read something just recently that you know sharing is actually healing that when you share it you're i guess you're trying to heal something within you and I think I still have some more work to do around that but I think that's an important part that you and know, that was a point that you made really sharing our stories is how we kind of get rid of the shame we, we shine light on it you know when we it's shame when we hide it right I think it is I mean we let things eat away I love that
1: you told the same story after your mom passed away forever and you know telling that same story it's it's my mom's been gone for it'll be six years at the end of the month and we had become best and I mean, best friends at that point in our lives. Mm. She was um, a, a really fun person to be around, and I told her story over and over and over and over again. And funny, I didn't tell anybody that for a long time. But when I did, it started to heal.
0: Mm. Oh, interesting. You didn't you didn't talk about your mother's death? death. or no, I, Oh, I, that's so interesting because you know. I was instantly talking yeah. about it. I I don't know. I that's that's a very interesting perspective.
1: Yeah, I thought, oh, people don't want to hear about it. But then I started saying, Well, I want to talk about it because she was alive. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine, her mother just passed away very recently. Um, we don't get to see each other often anymore, but she had said her mother passed away so peacefully and she shared the story. You know, they they lied it, they they had a hymn playing, and by the end of the hymn, she was she had passed so gently and peacefully and her and her three sisters just clung to each other and celebrated in private for three days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she said, I really haven't told anybody, but she had let me know. And just today she started telling the story of how she passed and how beautiful it was.
0: Mm. So there's something to that, you know, sharing our stories And I think that helps us to live more authentically because we're lifting the darkness or we're willing to heal or put ourselves on that path. It is true. And I mean,
1: you know, and it's not going to say that sometimes we're not going to slip back into that sadness. Yeah, absolutely. And we do because I've done it. Or the fear. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dana. I mean, I thought I had it all together. I walk into this mastermind group for speaking and I know what I'm going to do. And I've got it together. I am it because I talk every day for hours and hours. So you think you got this? I got it. No problem. (laughs) Of course you do. Okay. So this person's got a PhD. This person's got this. Oh, my God.
0: And that's where our mind goes, doesn't it?
1: Comparison it does. And I, and I really hate that thought process when I do it, I had to stop myself. Um, It took a little bit, it took a little bit of comfortableness and getting over that. Am I good enough thing? Yes. And I realized like we're all in the same situation. Yes. I have met um, a, a, a wonderful group of women and the support, because when, Doing what I've been doing, I invested in myself, and I didn't do that for so many years, either because I was taking care of other people, or there for a while, I really didn't have the money. Sure. Starting over with four boys is not cheap.
0: <laughs> right. Right. So kudos to you. I mean, really, it's reinvention and and alignment of yourself. I mean, you were doing the, the practical work and the spiritual work all at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, because really? I never
0: took an easy path. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what, you know, we always have to find, you know, the tough one, you know, just prove that we can. Exactly. exactly. I'm curious, um, how do you feel about yourself now?
1: of the time, I'll tell you, I feel pretty darn good about myself. I feel accomplished. I feel, um, good about myself. I feel that I have still so much to offer. Hmm. And then every so often that 5% creeps in and I go, I've gained the COVID 50. Um,
0: (laughs) We've you all, had, I think, have got a COVID food baby. Yes, <laughs>
1: exactly. I I stopped everybody. I'm a baker and a cook, and yeah. when pandemic hit, I didn't bake, I didn't cook because I never follow the same path everyone else does. <laughs> you know, I'm the girl that said all the people that I grew up with. You know, they all went to one school, so I purposely went to a different school mm. <laughs> just because I I wanted that opportunity because I think. That's what I say when I talk about being my authentic self. When I looked back over those years, um, you know, they were all doing this here. They got all into a bunch of stuff that just didn't do anything for me. And I didn't follow that path. When they all went to a school so they could skip out together, I went to a different school so I could meet new people and do
0: new things. Do you think you're actually listening to your callings, your path being drawn to to go different, you know? Go different oh, definitely, way.
1: definitely. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I was always listening to him. Uh, yeah. um, and then, you know, kind of life happened and I made those other choices, which are, weren't bad choices by any, you know, or maybe not even the wrong choice. Maybe I was meant to be shown right? you can hit rock bottom and you can help other people reach. Right. You can help, you know, I've worked in a few places where I've had really good leadership mm-hmm. and then I've had no leadership or toxic leadership. Right. And I want to be able to help people that in a career, because I think what we what we tend to forget is when we're working someplace, okay, this is the end of the road for me. I can't go any further. Mm. I want them to find their good in themselves because I know from experience how it can eat away at your confidence.
0: Yeah. And is this the lane that you're working in now as you embark on sparking the future um, yeah it is really helping people in their careers and and helping them helping them see the good in themselves, helping them to yeah. see where they are strong
1: exactly. And it might be helping them um in their careers what kind of what they need to do to move ahead or just finding the confidence in themselves to yes. forge a path ahead and and building positive teams mm. yeah, because I think without positive teams, this is not nineteen fifty anymore. Right. This is 2010, where y- it's collaboration. You mean um, 2020? It's 2020. <laughs> it, did I say 2010? Oh my goodness. You <laughs> can tell that I was going back <laughs> in time. <laughs> I do myself that way, Dana.
0: <laughs> ah, don't we all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In 2020, we need yeah, we need different kind of leadership. It's so yeah, true. And, and
1: now, even especially now. Where where do you go? Because you see so many people going. Oh my gosh, this has happened to me now. What am I going to do? Right. Where do I head from here? We have wonderful services um, all throughout Canada with um, helping people find employment. But we don't have what we don't have, and I think a lot of um, people that are. In a certain age group or in a certain field, um, even management fields, they're kind of lost in this. Mm. And sometimes it's holding their confidence up. Sometimes right. it's how do I bring my teams together to make them stronger.
0: So, if people want to get in touch with you, if they they like the kind of stories you're telling and they want to hear you as a speaker or hire you as a facilitator, I know you do personality dimension work My as well. to do. Yeah, and I've done that. It's really fun. It and really is. Yeah, you learn a lot about yourself. But you facilitate small and large groups. You know, you support transitions and get people to see the strengths and foster positive goal setting. So, what's the best way to, for people to get in in contact with you? The best
1: way for people to get into contact with 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 me is um my name um Marion M A R I A N N E at sparkthefuture.ca
0: perfect i think we've covered a lot of topics we started out with the idea of seeing the good in yourself we've covered that but we've also covered this Uh, authenticity and the idea of taking care of yourself. So I think there's a lot of layered themes here as I go, you know, I think about when I'll go back and listen to it. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out when I listen back. Um, I just just have a a few last questions, rapid fire soul questions. Oh, sure. Um, What have you learned about the power of being you?
1: I learned the power of being me that it gives you joy. When you're you, you become happy because nobody else can make you happy.
0: I love it. What has become abundantly clear to you? If I could
1: speak correctly here, um, (laughs) is that really and truly that everyone is on a, is on a journey and the journey doesn't end when you hit 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, we're always on a journey. We're always learning. We're always growing. Mm -hmm. And, Um, It really, there's, you can't stop living. You can't stop engaging because that stops you.
0: And lastly, what does the world need most?
1: I think the world needs kindness and compassion most. Mm. I firmly believe that, especially now, that we need some compassion, kindness, and understanding because we're all going through something tenfold now right but even before this and even after this understanding is going to go a long way with making a a much better world i think understanding and compassion for people
0: mm. thank you so much for your time mary and i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation Well, thank
1: you for having me. This has been really exciting. I've really enjoyed myself, and I hope to touch base again in the future with you.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course, on LinkedIn. See you next week.